This week on the Real Sweater Podcast, we are talking General Grant and the miniseries about him. Welcome to the Rail Splitter Podcast, the Abraham Lincoln Podcast. I am your co-host, Rail Splitter Mary, and I am joined tonight by Rail Splitter Jeremy. Hello, everybody. And Rail Splitter Nick. What up, Rail Split Nash? To all of you sweating your ass off in the summer heat listening to us. Is it really warm there? It no, was. Actually, yeah, it was last week. Oh, it's actually, the ironic part of it is it's going to be quite cool this weekend here. Oh, it's supposed to be here, too. It was really warm the first few days here this week, but then we had a big uh, storm go through last night. It was beautiful here today. Yeah, it was nice, time. just not that uh, not hot. So so what have you guys yeah. been up to? It's been a couple of weeks since we uh, recorded. <laughs> I've been walking the streets of Rockford mm-hmm. with my fellow protesters. Um, yeah. Nice. Yeah, America... Well, I know you know what's happening, Mary. Yeah. It's been a crazy couple weeks, 14, 15, 16, I don't even know how many days it is anymore, almost three weeks. Yep. So, yeah, I felt that um, I needed to get out there, um, use my feet, my body, my voice to hopefully initiate change for the better. Awesome. Yeah, it's uh, been a pretty proud of our town and the, the mm-hmm. community that we've kind of put together. I was only... Able to make it out once, but I had the honor of walking next to Rail Splitter Nick and seeing some other people from our school community, which is really cool to see, and then just to see people from our community as well. So um, it was a very moving experience. It's, you know, um, not to take personal benefit out of it, but it certainly was um, life-changing for me in many ways and um, made me feel emotions that I don't think I've ever really gotten in touch with. So, um, it's, it's, uh, it's a tragic and interesting time for sure. Um, but I, you know, I think it's important to note that it's nothing new. It's, um, just new for people like me with privilege who can afford to, to look away. Um, yeah. and hopefully, hopefully we will stop doing that. So, yep. um, but yeah, it, uh, so that's, that's why we took off last week. We kind of, Decided to, as a trio that uh, our voices didn't need any amplification. Not that, not that we ever need it, but you know, I think you know what I'm saying. Um, so it was nice to take just a little bit of time and um, use that energy elsewhere for me, anyway. Yep. No, I agree. I was uh, definitely like totally 100% on board with not not recording last week. I thought it was appropriate to take a break at that time and just step back and focus on what matters right now. So. Yep. Yeah. But, you know, in that same vein, I think that history, you know, we are we have fun and we laugh. And we're always smiling and having a good time. This is kind of a escape in many ways from the stresses of, you know, work and whatever else for me. But it's also, I think, an important time to look at history and, and make sure that we're having conversations about history and that, that that doesn't get lost. So I do feel that this even though this is a hobby of ours and, you know, in different capacities, we all work 
in professions, the three of us that work at, on history and at varying levels, at least education and preservation and communication of history. So um, I think that's obviously becoming more, much more and more um, important and lost. And even our little podcast, I think, you know, does a small, you know, does what it does, I guess, to, uh, to make sure we talk about history. So um, I, I do, I do feel that that's important as well. So it's not as if, you know, the time is completely taken away from positive energies and things like that because it, it is a hobby and it is fun. Yep. 100% agree. This is like my kind of my therapy. Whenever we get together, I get to hang out with two other fellow uh, Lincoln civil war nerds. So not to mention the hundreds of uh, rail splitters who are hanging out with us. Exactly. Kind of <laughs> yeah. And actually we, I just checked the Facebook page. I think we have 600 members on it, which is Holy awesome. God. Not that like, mm-hmm. Not that like follower counts or or numbers matter, but it's just it's it, you know I sometimes look at it. I'm like, whoa, that like wow, that's yes, and cool. I've, I've noticed, re- and I think it's recently. Um, every person is important and matters, but yeah. I do think that there were people who you know, every now and then when you have a, a Facebook group, you get people who I'm, I don't think are actually people, <laughs> yes. not in a bad sense, like in a robot sense. Yeah, uh, but that's been like drastically cut down. So I don't know if. Facebook's like looking out for that more or, I think, or what, but uh, I, I think, think I think all... we're like we're getting like legit Lincoln fans, yeah. predominantly. Um, not that we weren't before, but every now and then, for every like five or six requests, there'd be someone that had no posts, no photos, yeah. and were and were members of like nine hundred groups, yeah, which is like a pretty huge, yeah, red red flag. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's not an actual person. But anyway, so welcome everybody who's new and you are all real and you all matter. And that's awesome. Yep, so. and thank you for listening. So um, before we get to the Grant mini series, we um, actually, it's going to be Jeremy that's going to speak to this one. Um, I believe you are going to talk a little bit about the Lincoln Project. Yeah. So many of you are probably familiar with the Lincoln Project. So it's not like a news story per se. It's many news stories or it's, it's an organization. So um, if you're not familiar with it, don't get too excited because it's not a Lincoln Project, like a new research into Lincoln or a new um, project of really anything. It's the Lincoln Project is a consortium or a group of conservative leaning folks, conservative value, you know, people with conservative political values people who would consider themselves Republicans who are getting together with the sole purpose of defeating uh, the current president, along with uh, a handful of other uh, Republicans who they feel have uh, aligned themselves with things that are antithetical to the, um, the values of the party. So I think it's kind of harkening back to looking at family values, perhaps in, in a positive way, not quite in the, negative, you know, um, homophobic way of the 90s and 2000s, but um, looking at like, you know, do we value human life? Do we value integrity? Do we value um, others and other peoples as human beings and and freedom in a real sense? Um, So they're really um, doing a very good job, I think, of um, one, having a really organized, united front of people and there's some pretty there's some people with some significant street cred most of them aren't really well known to to many people because they're like strategists campaign you know campaign manager type operative type people but uh they're very well funded and they're running 
a lot of commercials and they've ran a really good commercial on the Confederate flag, um, which has kind of got, got them quite a lot of attention. So it's definitely a group to worth, worth checking out and um, worth supporting because it definitely is. Um, I, I feel supportive of free speech, supportive of um, having values and standing by them. And, and, and they're calling out people who need to be called out because you know, it's a lot of the stuff that we tend to get criticized for in certain circles on this show about bashing people's political views and whatnot. And we don't do that, but but being critical of, of the president is different and disagreeing with people is different than not valuing uh, other people's opinions. So I think that this is a really a job of um, really bringing out conservative people who who are very good people whose political positions I disagree with. Um, but whose moral stance is a little bit more uh, understandable. And, um, of course, they, they, they took Lincoln's name, and I think that that was a very good and intentional choice because they're, you know, everybody tries to claim Lincoln as, you know, the party of Lincoln, and the Republicans, of course, have more of a direct claim to it, but um, they chose Lincoln for a reason, and I think basically what they're saying is, you know, Abraham Lincoln would not have stood up for this. Um, clearly, when you have... Um, and we'll get into the whole Confederate monuments and, and naming of forts and everything in, a, in an episode, maybe next week. Um, but like when you literally have someone in the White House who tweets that they'll not, he'll not even consider taking down any Confederate monuments or renaming anything um, when they literally attacked the United States. Um, and many of them were literally arrested for treason against the United States. It's mind-boggling. Uh, but there are a quote of, from Abraham Lincoln for the Lincoln Project. You cannot escape the responsibility of tomorrow by evading it today. Um, that is often, um, I think, misused to tell students to do their homework. Um, when really, when he's talking about the responsibility of tomorrow, I think what he's, what he's really getting at is, what do we owe future generations? What do we owe the society you know, with with the tremendous work that he was involved in. And then, uh, of course, the um, responsibility, the um, obligation to, to do better. So uh, the Lincoln Project, if you are a um, moral conservative or Republican and, and, you're, and you're struggling with everything, um, this might be a group worth checking out. They are very much campaigning for Joe Biden. Um, and, um, they're also campaigning against others. Uh, Mitch McConnell being one of them, I believe, um, along with some other, um, a little bit more overtly hateful, uh, people. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's a good time to know your history and that's a, that's an interesting project to check out. Very cool. Thank you for that. Nick, do you you have anything to add? Yeah, no, I think it's a, it's an important thing to do. I know we talked about this, on the show before about how the Republicans have just been kind of our certain Republican politicians have just kind of gotten in behind Trump um, and have not spoken out. And it's good to see a group of conservatives who are upset, disgusted with what's happening in the white house and are taking and realize the significance of speaking out. Um, and, I, and I think that speaks a lot to the movement that's going on right now too. Um, is, you know, silence is compliance of, to what's happening. Um, so it's important that we, we speak out um, because when you don't speak out a lot of times, when I talk to my kids in class, it's like if a kid swears, which is quite ironic since I swear a lot, um, but if a kid swears and I never say anything, 
my silence actually makes it seem acceptable. Mm-hmm. And that's the importance in um, this Lincoln project when it comes to Trump and hopefully opening the eyes of some of conservative voters in America, which I think, uh, you know, what they're trying to do. And I think that's good. And I think that speaks to a lot of the police brutality and stuff like that. Um, when somebody who maybe is not directly involved, um, when we when we don't do anything, um, that's why I felt so moved that I had to get out of the house. I couldn't just sit there because I didn't want to be, um, you know, the silent voice any longer um, or not speaking out. You know, and that's what we're seeing across America from NASCAR uh, to, you know, companies, to individuals, to people, um, as well as the Lincoln Project. So it's a good thing. Right? I think it's important to call out your political party when they're doing wrong. And it'd be great to see more of that in politics. Yeah, and I, I do feel that this is close to unprecedented. I mean, I can't really, you know, I mean, obviously, demo, you know, more liberal people have always wanted, you know, their current standard bearer to be more liberal and conservatives have probably often wanted their leaders to be more conservative and have disagreed with things here or there. But this is different than that. And it seems much more um, aligned with the fact that, that, that he offers no room for any dissent whatsoever. Um, and, um, and this group is, is finally stepping up and saying no. Um, and, and, and it has gotten out of control. We don't need to spend too much time on it, but just, you know, the fact that he's moved from Fox news into like straight up literal Russian, mm-hmm. like, plants <laughs> creating literal fake news um, yep. it's it's just really 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 uh, an, a, a good group and I think that they're going to make some good change and yep. for better or for worse I think that it's going to come back to the norm which is you know a slightly moderate a moderate slightly right candidate against a moderate slightly left candidate and <laughs> you know small distinguished but distinguishable differences between the two and that's that is what it is, but um, but right now a change is, is necessary. So, oh, I think it's I think it's great. It's happening. It's, it's good to see. Yep. So they've they've retweeted a lot and a little foreshadowing to our next episode. But um, there are many people who are calling the current president the second president of the Confederacy. <laughs> Oh, that's a little bit of yeah. That's definitely foreshadowing for our next episode. Um, Not to mention just fodder for you all to think about. Like, yeah, what degree is there value to that? Yeah, I call him bunker bitch now. So. <laughs> bunker bitch, that's awesome. <laughs> that's great. Um, okay. Anyway, speaking of episodes, we are going to move on to the current episode, which we are going to talk about the Grant miniseries, which aired. Um, is it Memorial Day? Yeah. And then for th- for three nights. So it's based on the best-selling nonfiction book by Ron Chernow, which um, admittedly I have not read. Um, Grant Bio that I have read and absolutely love is American Ulysses by Ronald C. White Jr., who his Grant Bio is amazing, but I don't doubt that Chernow's is too. Um, and this is a three, it's a three part mini series, which chronicles the life of Ulysses S. Grant. Uh, Leon, Leonardo DiCaprio is involved with it too, which is awesome. And it was on the History Channel and, but not on the Canadian History Channel. So while well, you guys got to watch Grant, I got to watch Nazis on Drugs. <laughs> 
How was it? Actually, I didn't watch it. But <laughs> anyway, I did manage to get to watch Grant the weekend after. And that is what we are going to talk about in this episode. So overall, what did you two think? How many? Okay, out of five cigars. <laughs> uh, three, three. <laughs> I think three to three and a half. I think that's a fair assessment. Um, I don't, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I find my, found myself really looking forward to finishing each episode. So like it, it was enjoyable. I think the reason that I'm not enthusiastically endorsing it is because there was a lot of evidence of what it could have been and largely wasn't. Um, but for what it was, I mean, I, I thought it was very well done. I, I'm so happy that they did it. I'm glad that they spent the money that they spent on it. Um, you know, the production value is very high. They brought in people. I was happy to see a diverse group of historians offering perspective on grants. And we'll get into a little bit more of that detail, but there was just so many times where I'm like expecting them to go deeper or go further or, include something or not include something. And they just, I just felt that there was gigantic missed opportunities, but for what it was and what it, you know, I think what they intended to do, they, they accomplished, they did. It wasn't necessarily meant for us. I think it was meant for as many people as possible. And because of that, it, I think they missed a lot of depth, um, but they probably hit their mark in making it something that the entire history channel audience would enjoy or at least a higher percentage of it that was not yeah. to do with aliens <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it was definitely meant for a casual history viewer and then like the the good things of it, it you know it looks slick right mm -hmm. the interview setups were great you know the reenactments are great i thought the actor who played grant were great um you know some of the supporting cast a little bit of suspect well i'm sure we'll get more of that <laughs> later um to me, it really wasn't a Grant life story. It was a Grant Civil War story. Um, and then I did like the reconstruction angle they took with his presidency. I did appreciate that. I thought that was one of the better ones. Um, but there was just some, like you're doing a history thing, and they had some historical inaccuracies. And if they would have kept true to the history, it would have been more entertaining. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure we'll get into that. So that, that becomes frustrating from you know looking at it from that perspective and, and i agree with you boys too they, they could have to me they either should just made this grant as a general and tighten it up and go more in depth or made this a longer series which they probably couldn't get the money and probably would never have been able to do and really have deep dived into this into like a 10-parter um which i think after seeing the ratings on it i think there probably would have been a fan base for that um so but yeah but this is history nerds talking about it so that's why i got to give it three three and a half because for their target audience they were looking to entertain it but you know i don't know i'm gonna give it the highest rating 4.5 <laughs> cigars <laughs> four point that's ridiculous four, i really enjoyed it um i took into mind the the target audience and just that like Overall, I was like, if this gets, if this sparks somebody's interest in Grant to start doing that deep dive, then this miniseries has done its job. And we have like another person that is studying this. 
and that's what's needed in the field right now. But two, I mean, yeah, did I get caught up in it? Of course I did. I was ex- like, I was so excited. I've, you know, it's been a long time since something like this has come out, but I, I enjoyed it. I just basically sat back and let myself kind of ride along with Grant on the journey. Four and a half. Oh, yeah, man. four and a half cigars out of five. Dude, your your ratings, do you keep track of your ratings? Because it must just be fours, fives across the board. Well, hopefully the people who rate this podcast are more on a on a Mary scale than on a Nick scale. That is true. <laughs> yeah. I was just, ha- like, like I said, I was thinking of the target audience, the sparking of that interest in history. And if somebody goes and reads Chernow's biography or gets an interest in the civil war and and starts doing some deep dives then then this the, the series has done its job and too like the the historians they had on talking about it too were were awesome um Christy Coleman comes to mind she's uh um I follow her on Twitter and she's really awesome um Gary Adelman as well like really awesome historians that they had on there uh I just thought they they told the story of Grant and they they hit the key points. Yeah, there were times when I thought like, oh, you could have gone further with that. Like you could have, like that would have been so interesting. But then I have to remember that like, you know, I think as somebody who studies this, like lives, eats and breathes it, you know, I might have studied it a little bit more than the average person. So I think back to the average person, like my mother watching it, like she would have just been like, oh my God, that's so cool. She would not have ever, I don't think she would ever think watching it. Why didn't they cover that? So that's, Mm -hmm. I I think kind of the audience that I was thinking was watching it, which I tried to put myself in their shoes too. Like somebody watching it that maybe doesn't know much about Grant. Yeah. But thinking about that, like some of the stories that they told, like the unconditional, you know, surrender story didn't necessarily take place how they did that. You know, the famous quote at Shiloh yeah. was in the middle of, you know, when it was raining at night. Oh, but those that was all, my favorite part. <laughs> those are all more dramatic elements that would have yeah. even hooked people even more if they would have done it, you know, and stayed more true to it. So they missed a lot of opportunities. I still found that scene at Shiloh dramatic. I was like out of my chair, like cheering. <laughs> yeah, but they could have added more to it. Like it could have been – I. They miss. They missed more uh, opportunities to really engage people. Therefore, they need to be punished in our cigar rating. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I agree. I mean, well, one on the whole Shiloh thing, I think that that exchange was more dramatic for people who understand the Battle of Shiloh, because you know how how badly they got beat on the first yep. day, and you know how epic the comeback was on the second day. I don't think they did a great job of really explaining how bad it really, you know, like, you know, I mean, you, you got the sense that it was like, all right, you know, they don't have the advantage, whatever. Um, but I think they, they overemphasize Grant's decision to attack being unconventional and underemphasize the um, price that the, the, the union paid for that victory. Um more generally speaking, the historians that they chose were all amazing mm-hmm. and great and talented and woefully underused. Like you get like, I mean, every, the fact that every single time almost all of them said anything was like, oh, my God, that's all. That's an amazing point. Or you said that so well. But then you don't see him again for like a half an hour, you know, like 
like the totality of what had to be hours of footage from some really talented people, you know, was reduced to just such little segments, you know, but, but then again, you know, you see a multi-part documentary on Grant and we're used to Ken Burns and, yeah, you know, him, him taking 18 hours, you know, or whatever for, for some of his pieces. Like I get it. Like, you know, they have four and a half hour commercial breaks every 20 minutes. Like it, it wasn't the rich content that I think we were hoping for. Um, and the dramatic scenes were great, but man, I just wish they had put more, more of the historians in there, you know, like you've got, I mean, I'm a huge Tanahasi Coates fan. You know, I've talked about him several times, like everything he said was so brilliant. And then the very first episode, like a half an hour in when he talks about Grant, um, signing papers for his, the enslaved person that he inherited talking about how that's the equivalent of someone just walking away from their house. When you, when like you could sell your house for $200,000 and you just say like, no, I I don't think it's right for me to sell my house and just walk away. Like him describing that, like was, I had never heard it described that way before. It was, it was great. It painted Grant in this picture of like, you know, everybody kind of struggles with this whole, well, did he own enslaved people? Did he not? Did, you know, what was his position on it? Cause he married into a slaveholding family or whatever, whatever. And then you hear like this perspective from coast. I'm like, God, that is so brilliant. So well said. I never really thought about it in that, in that terms. It also gives you a perspective on just what an enslaved person was as far as a financial transaction at the time. And then like, you don't see him again for like an, an entire episode. And I, that to me was just disappointing how they, they just had so many brilliant people that, that, really weren't used all that much no i agree with that too the historians Mm -hmm. were outstanding Mm -hmm. another thing that was outstanding i think i mentioned this in previous episode or maybe it was off air the maps yes yes the animated maps were phenomenal that was outside of some people were being critical of the west virginia being included on the map i don't know where i feel about that because i think maybe but because you know west virginia wasn't you know a state when it started in case some listeners didn't know that um, outside of that though, the, the animation out of it was slick. It was like that, like dye and like water, I like red that. dye and water look. Oh man, that was awesome. I Especially, that. you know, you talk about Ken Burns, you got like, I thought troops were just signified by tiny blue lines and tiny red lines yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> in arrows. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I agree um, with, with that very much like the, the, the animations and, and all that stuff were, were good. The, the one thing that I really started to get annoyed with. And I think I'd, I'd like to start with a negative and I'll end with the positive, I guess. But, um, you know how there's like the, the inside joke in the star Wars universe, how stormtroopers like are, have the worst aim like they never hit their target. <laughs> yep. Apparently confederates are the exact opposite of that. Oh, like, I every time, that, every yeah. time you see some poor, some poor farm boy from Massachusetts, you're like, it got to the point where you're like, well, this guy's going to get shot in the eye. And every time, like right in the eye, right in the foreheads, like, Every time, like, oh, somebody's waking up in their tent. He's like, somebody's going to shoot him from what appears to be hundreds of yards away and hit him right between the eyes. And his head's going to explode. And then everybody's going to run. And then Grant's <laughs> going to make a brilliant decision. Like, every time, I'm like, man, this is not, this is not painting a really clear picture of the accuracy of Civil War rifles. And apparently, every attack was a sneak attack that was started with a round that hit a 
private in the head every time. Like, didn't start with artillery, didn't start with, like, a skirmish, didn't start with any cavalry kind of prod and just seeing where the lines were. Nope. It was one bullet right in the head of some poor kid who's just standing there looking looking out on the horizon. So, anyway, I thought that was a little – the first time was like, oh, okay, war sucks, war, you know, war is brutal. And then it happened, like, eight more times. I agree yeah. with you. If you're going to use gore, uh, which I'm fine with, use it realistic. Like, yeah. show us the aftermath of these battles. Show us the hospital tents where these guys are literally getting their, you know, uh, arms and yeah. legs sewn off. That really gives us a more uh, good understanding of what it means to go to war. Because I think that's important that people understand when you go to war, people die. and But they just do it to be cool and to hook like that, you know. I don't know if, who the target audience is. They're probably like teenagers or something. Um, so, yeah, I think I cut you off too, Mary. I apologize. No, no. I was just going to say, Jeremy, I remember when we were talking about it um, off air a couple weeks ago, you had mentioned the thing about how they the Confederates always seem to hit their mark. And so then I went into the series knowing that, and I re- it really stood out to me. I was like, what the <laughs> hell? Like, how <laughs> How are they the perfect sharpshooters? Like, and it's like this poor like Union modern, guy like, from Massachusetts. The, he's getting his head, like eye shot. taken out. Like, yeah, and then the kid's head explodes. Yeah. It's always like some. He looks like he's fifteen. <laughs> yeah. What do you guys think of the the actors and the, and uh, how they were cast? Well, I guess what do we all think of Grant? I've already said I thought Grant was great. I thought Grant was I awesome. I thought it was very good. What I appreciate about his performance it was when he was not delivering dialogue, he had that like yes. kind of pensive quality yeah. to him that like, you know, kind of like his, his, you know, kind of cold hard stare off into the distance to me felt aligned with Grant a lot more. You know, sometimes that could be, that's maybe a risk, I guess, from a directing and an acting standpoint, but I really thought it was good and fit the character, like kind of showed him as that like soft spoken, humble, yet confident um general so i thought his just his demeanor was was very good um it, i i liked how they kind of used him doing the you know reading his written work kind of in voiceover type stuff um too but yeah i thought i thought the the actor who, who portrayed grant did a really good job i i definitely did too and i think um so yeah, obviously I, I got caught up in that Shiloh scene because that is one of my favorite Civil War moments. But um, just when Grant says, lick him tomorrow, like he's just got that look on his face. And that was where I forgot about, you know, the fact they were supposed to be under a tree. And I just focused on how Grant was in that moment. But the other thing I focused on too was that, like, you know, they had Sherman's arm in a sling and that was accurate to the wounding he'd received that day as well. And I was like, wow, I think this is as close to that moment as we're going to get. But yeah, he, you know, yeah, when he was silent, he had that kind of just, he was very much Grant. And I know one criticism I read online was that they didn't age him well enough. I think he played Grant as well as anybody could. Like, he was so good. They didn't make him fat enough. He, he gained like 50 pounds you know, yeah. in, in the white. Like they didn't do that as much, but who, who cares? No, no. Um, I mean, I think what, I mean, I think if you can pull off the character, um, mm-hmm. just to bring another, another one, when I first saw Sherman in the previews, I was like, what the hell? He looks too old. 
But from the moment he spoke and the moment I saw his mannerisms, I was like, that he's portraying Sherman and he's doing it well. And I just, I was happy with the guy that was playing Sherman. Like I was a little disappointed to be honest in the Sherman really depiction. Yeah, I, really I mean he was him. he wasn't like Robert E. Lee. I thought was terrible. I oh, thought yeah. Robert E. Lee should have been General Meade. Yeah, Robert E. Lee was like, hey, I've seen Gettysburg because uh, who plays Lee? It's a uh, Martin, Martin right? Martin, yeah, Martin, Martin Sheen. Sheen. Yeah, it's like a portrayal of Martin Sheen playing Robert E. Lee as what it was, and the beard was awful, wasn't it? I was just yeah. gonna say that they're like it was they had like pretty good beards on everybody and then like they're like well let's let let's let this kid do lee's beard like he's just learning out he's just new he's new in hollywood like all the beards were either real or looked real or authentic and then lee's got this like looks like somebody just took a pair of scissors to a wig or something and glued it on his face it was awful it was so bad the guy was terrible oh man the guy who was also terrible but stole every scene he was in henry halleck Oh, that, guy, <laughs> dude, that was a terrible casting. But man, he played that guy like a total douche. He did. Halleck he was like, I'm like, that looks nothing general. like Halleck, but by God, no. he's a douche. Like, But Halleck is one of the few Civil War generals where his mannerisms are very well documented. Like he had that anno- an annoying habit of rubbing his elbows and like his demeanor was off putting. Like people just felt uncomfortable because he was so awkward to be around. And that guy, there was none of that whatsoever, and he was just a huge asshole. Like, just <laughs> yes. like a, that was a, that was his portrayal of Halleck. There was some good memes floating around. Oh yeah, of the Halleck scenes. Yeah. That first time when he walks in with his plan and he's eaten. Yes. Oh god, that was a. That might be the best scene of the whole doc. I know that was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Lincoln. Okay, sorry, I don't mean to jump in. I thought that the guy who played Lincoln did an amazing job of playing Daniel Day-Lewis playing Lincoln. Yes. Like, I felt like he was like, okay, you're, we're going to hire you to portray Lincoln. He's like, how about I portray Daniel Day-Lewis portraying Lincoln? <laughs> and he did a pretty good job. I think he did a pretty good job imitating da- Daniel Day-Lewis imitating Lincoln. I have to say I went into it because I saw a picture and I'm like, the hell this like the picture i saw was him like standing there like looking i don't know what it was and i'm like i don't know if he's supposed to be the president or selling me clothes right now but here we are um anyway when he started speaking i was completely i'm like okay i'm sold yeah yeah that was good i was like he's good you like, can't he, tell me for a second he didn't just watch Lincoln and I'm like, okay, I can do that. I know. He, he, I'm like, okay, I'm into this. This is awesome. It, it varied. I don't know how many scenes he was. He wasn't in many. But uh, some of them, it like completely took me out of it. Like, oh, my God, this isn't Lincoln. And sometimes it's like, oh, okay, I can see it. And then, so I was kind of – it was hit or miss depending on the scene um, for me on Lincoln. I, I, I mean, I was fine with it. I mean, what, what do you? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's very difficult. Like, what yeah. are you going to do? You know, now that we have an iconic Lincoln portrayal, we now have the new Lincoln voice. That's for sure. Though. I know, oh, yeah, he... and, it's, and it's accurate. I mean, yeah. he had a high pitch. You know, that I get it. Like, and, and how are you not going to like the stand? The, the bar has been set. That's just what the Lincoln performance yeah. is now. So, yeah, he he was good. Um, uh, the other one. I've already touched on Sherman a little bit. Um, 
But Jeremy, what did you think of Sherman? Uh, I thought he was fine. I mean, part of it, I mean, they spent a lot of money on this and I appreciate the, the budget, but at the same time, it's like, what are we really going to expect? Like the Sherman character had 20 lines, maybe. Mm. I mean, you know, he, he wasn't a hugely central character. Um, so it's not like they're going to get Jared Harris or somebody who could have, I think, played a better Sherman than, than Grant. We yep. talked about that before. Um, but I thought it was good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know, it's hard to, you know, to find somebody that's talented and looks like the person that you want them to portray yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, one I thought mean, the, I, go ahead, Nick. I mean, the one guy that they had to get right was Grant. They did yeah. that. Yeah. Um, you know, they hit on some of the supporting cast and missed on others. And that's to be expected with, you know, yes, they had a nice budget, but we're not, we're used to watching Hollywood. That budget is a completely different budget what they were working with. Um, so I will give them credit. At the end of the day, they nailed Grant. That's what you had to do. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. And I also, tr- I don't want to get too hung up on what people look like. No. Uh, like Julia, Julia Grant did not look like Julia at no. all. No. Yeah. No, at she did all. not look like. And again, like, <laughs> she's got a very distinctive look. Like she, like, if you saw a picture of her, you could immediately identify her. Like, she's one of the most identifiable, I feel. And maybe it's just because I looked, you know, uh, first ladies. Like, you know, she's among, like, her, Mary Lincoln, and and that's about it. I mean, even Martha Washington, you could probably, if you had her next to a handful of other from the same era, it may not be quietly as identifiable. Um, like, she's got a very distinctive look, and the actor who portrayed her, didn't have that look but she did a fine job i you know so like i think we overemphasize sometimes the look yeah and like do we really expect them to like put in a budget like making somebody you know putting on prosthetic facial features or whatever to make somebody resemble his story character so that nerds like us can be like oh it looked terrible you could tell it was fake i i think if you can nail the mannerisms and you can nail the personality then you come across as that much more you know, portraying the person. Like, for instance, like, I have a friend who actually portrays General Sherman. He's my height. He's 5'4". Sherman stood 5'10". But when my friend Chris portrays Sherman and he has the uniform on, you would 100% think you are interacting with General Sherman. So with the Sherman that they had in this one, like, I thought at first when I saw the photos, I'm like, his beard's too gray. He's like, whatever. He's kind of, I don't know. He doesn't work. But then when I saw him and Grant standing together and I noticed the height difference because Grant stood about five, seven, this guy was five, 10. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And then when he starts speaking and I started watching him and the mannerisms, I'm like, yeah, that's like, yeah, if you can think... embody the person you're playing, I yeah. think you can come across that way. So like I mean, overall, I thought the casting in this—I mean, Halleck especially. <laughs> yeah, and and they got what they needed to get. Like, like, what's the important thing for the audience to take away? Like, the audience needs to take away that Grant had a, an uncommonly strong adoration for his wife. Like, you know, of course, yeah, most people, you know, love their spouse or whatever to varying degrees. But like, his uh, there theirs was like a romance of you know historic, like historically a strong romance or whatever. Um, I, I was thinking when you were talking about the, the, the Shiloh scene and people picking it apart because it, you know, it, it didn't have the, the rain or, or maybe the words were not quite 
100% accurate. Like it reminded me of um, uh, something that I, I went to a talk way back, probably 2003. Uh, David McCulloch was yeah. doing his book tour for 1776. Um, and, and of course, David McCullough, he was the narrator of Ken Burns' Civil War. He won the Pulitzer Prize for Truman and for John Adams and um, wrote, wrote a book on 1776. But anyway, he was he was given a talk and somebody had asked him about the painting of Washington crossing the Delaware and how because he tells in 1776 the book, you know, he he tells the story of the, you know, the, the Patriots, whatever, the Americans crossing the Delaware, you know, in that whole battle. And of course, Washington wasn't with them. And that's the whole thing. Like all oh, this, that, that painting, it never happened. It was at night and Washington wasn't with them and it wasn't one boat and blah, 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 blah. And McCullough said like, yes, that is true. All of those, that stuff is historically accurate, but what is historically accurate about that painting is the audacity of that move, the boldness of the move, the courage, the, the grand nature of it. Like if you see that painting in New York, it's, it's, it takes up an entire wall. It's mm-hmm. the, it's the biggest painting I've ever seen. And he was saying like, it is historically accurate in showing that that was extremely bold, took ex- tremendous courage um, and was very perilous. So like, yeah, there weren't giant rocks and white water rapids like it shows in the painting, but it was extremely treacherous and, and, and like, it was very brave. Okay. So that's what that painting portrayed. So you can nitpick who was there, who wasn't there, what it looked like. I think it's similar, like, oh, but it was, you know, it was technically it was raining at Shiloh, or technically he said this, or technically they were here. But what that scene portrayed was that cool, calm confidence that Grant had. Yep. Shirt Sherman trying to console him, you know, the devil's own day kind yep. of thing, like, you know, this was out of our control. It was, you know, fate or whatever higher power. Um, like, the dr- the drama of the scene was there. Yes. I think that's what they that's what they needed to nail. If they missed that and got the other stuff, it would have been terrible. So I thought it was okay. Like I don't care as much about the historic intricacies of exactly how things played out uh, because they don't they're not pretending and they're not, they're not saying like all of these things happened exactly as we're showing them. Um, but they did nail that. Well, again, they don't know for sure if they were under a tree, but I think what they they nailed was the fact that Sherman was the one that was very, very tense walking towards Grant because Sherman's going towards him and he wants to tell him we need to retreat. And then he gets a certain to a certain point. He's like, no, I'm going to shut the F up and not say anything. And he just says, well, we've had the devil's own day, day of it. And Grant just says, yeah, lick him tomorrow, though. Yeah, and, and I mean, still, like, you know, how how certain are we that that's the exact exchange? You yeah, know, like, exactly. Yeah, we don't know. It's I, I you know, I, I like believing it is. It's awesome. Yeah. You know, like, it's a two, two great phrases and, you know, yeah. use the words, but yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked overall what we thought. We talked about the cast. What were some of your favorite scenes? Because there were some pretty awesome things that happened in that miniseries. I liked Reconstruction, how they did all that. Hmm? Was well done, I thought. I liked how they went and they gave um, significant time to talking about Black Union soldiers and how that developed. I thought they did a fantastic job with that. So that definitely stands out. Um, 
God, I, so much has happened since the <laughs> since I, I watched know. it in life. I remember thinking like the first episode, I came away like uh, I thought it got stronger as it kind of went on. It did. Outside of the third episode, you know, kind of zooming through the presidency. Yep. Um, outside of that issue, I did think it got stronger as it went on. Um, I think they did this, a nice, I, I guess to me, reconstruction and really the, you know, building the narrative of the importance of black union soldiers, just because that was, you know, something we have not seen enough of in civil war documentaries. So I think that's why that stands out. A lot of the other grant stuff, you know, is stuff that we've talked about on the show, um, several times. And it was cool to see like the, you know, like these iconic moments, um, kind of play out on screen too. Yeah. So I guess I'm just kind of rambling now. No, you're good. Yeah, and I I also thought it was well done how they talked about the black soldiers, particularly mm-hmm. with resisting the temptation to use Grant's, you know, um, just being a decent person as like heroism. You know, they they they, they definitely talked about how he was supportive of using them or involving them or honoring their service and talked about him wanting equal pay, but they didn't say like, Holy cow, no one wanted equal pay. And he did. And like, he's such an amazing person. Like they didn't overplay this whole white savior thing. Uh, And they were bringing in black historians to talk about Mm -hmm. it. So I really appreciated that because I think oftentimes it's like, you know, Grant was an abolitionist. No, he wasn't like, you know, like really just talking about what it is and like saying like the fact that he was, if he was an abolitionist, that doesn't mean anything more than he's like a decent person. Like that does not make him heroic. Right. It doesn't make him less like mm-hmm. otherworldly figure. It just means that he had a conscience as he well should have. Um, but I thought they did a nice job of kind of juxtaposing that with, with other figures at the time. And, you know, I thought it was well done. Um, I wish there were, you know, there were a couple things where I wish there was a little more. Um, but, uh, you know, I, again, for what they were trying to do, it was good. Like they were trying, like the whole, um, we can't go to the theater tonight. They're leaving town. And this like person who may have been John Wilkes Booth <laughs> yeah. shows up. Like, I'm like, oh man, that's kind of stupid. But then may I'm like, have, you know what? Yeah, exactly. That's dramatic scene. They did a nice job of kind of portraying that. And they, and they followed it up. Yeah. They followed up with a historian saying that like, somebody you know booth swears he saw them or they we don't really know if that actually happened so they they covered their base a little bit yeah which i thought was good yeah because it's not known for sure there was so many like people that it could have been that new grant was in town that would have been looking to get a look at him it it's almost it just kind of plays into that legend of the assassination i think um for me I think definitely the mention of the, the African-American soldiers um, as well at the, um, in the first episode in the Mexican war, when Grant gets on that horse and rides it sideways. <laughs> I was so happy they included that. Cause that's just so part of who, um, who general Grant is. Um, and then, yeah, obviously the moment at Shiloh, but the fact that they included a little bit about, chattanooga and the battles for that like that that is something that gets really ignored and as somebody who studies the western theater extensively i was happy to see that included and mentioned um but finally that that scene at appomattox 
during the surrender and then Grant lights the cigar. That was like the ultimate for me right there. That was amazing. Yeah, that was. That was awesome. When he just like, first of all, like I see them sitting at the surrender table and I'm like, oh, here we go. This is the ultimate geek moment. But then he lights the cigar and I was like, oh, yeah, (laughs) that's exactly how it went down. Yeah, badass. Yeah. No, that is a good scene. Yeah. The presidency, man. I, I wish I, I would have liked this is just a nerd to me. I could have done a whole two episodes on this presidency and I, like Yeah. They definitely uh I remember when we were talking about the trailer and going into it, we're like, Oh man, this looks like you know, they're gonna kinda go back and forth on mm-hmm. what is it good or not. Yeah, the series really didn't do that. I mean, it's pretty much he was a badass general, um, and they ignored a lot of the, you know, scandals of the presidency. They ignored his Order 12, yep. um, which targeted uh, Jewish citizens, and I forget where the town was at. Um, so it definitely wasn't quite as balanced as far as negatives and positives mm-hmm. as we thought going into it, which you definitely would have needed more time to do a lot of that stuff. Okay, so where do you guys, like, so we're going to start wrapping it up now. So, like, overall, I know we started off with the rating, but overall, how are we leaving Grant miniseries? I hope, I think the ratings were good from what I saw. Mm-hmm. I hope this leads to more documentaries. I don't know, yeah, you know, with Cool Rain. I hope this leads to more higher budgeted documentaries like this, especially if they're going to use reenactments. Because we've all seen them. You know, when it's a poor reenactment, it really takes you out. Um, I liked how they utilize a diverse cast of historians. I hope these are all future trends we're going to see. And I hope the History Channel, because I'm, they, they got probably more money than other avenues, they, they put some more money into this stuff. Um, ideally, I would love it to be Civil War. Um, I think Civil War is extremely relevant, as we are seeing in the news here. So hopefully this can lead to some more um, docs and some of our other favorite participants um, in the war. Jeremy? I agree with everything Nick said. I think that, um, you know, obviously I think what we need right now is um, a deeper dive. I mean, if we could use this mainstream platform to provide a deeper dive into the legacy of the Civil War the legacy of the 13th, 14th and 15th amendments, the legacy of enslavement, like um, reconstruction. You know, I think if we can really do a deeper dive into that using platforms like this, I think the Confederate monument conversation may have a little bit more enlightened dialogue, maybe the, you know, Confederate flag as a symbol. Um, You know, I think that, so hopefully, you know, I'd like to see, because I didn't feel that this had any real slant or bias to it. I think it was very informative. And I think that you can, you can do the same thing without any political slant to really show how ridiculous it is. The Confederate monuments that went up in the 1940s, 50s, 60s and seventies, 20, you know, mid to late 20th century, why that's ridiculous. Right. So, um, so I'd like to see maybe some of that, uh, maybe some connection from, you know, and I think they, they planted the seeds a little bit with the reconstruction stuff. Like, you know, Nick, you're, I think you both maybe mentioned like, you know, 
I kept thinking like, man, how are they going to cram literally half of this guy's life or almost, you know, half of his adult life anyway, you know, every, every minute that went by and they spent so long in Appomattox, like every minute that went by, I'm like, he's going to be, he's going to have to be president at some point in time in this, you know, in this work. Um, so I think that there's, there's work yet to be done. It's very encouraging. I'm, I, I would recommend it to anyone of any level of history knowledge. Um, I think it's very much something that it, it hits a lot of targets. The general person who's curious, it hits that target. It hits, I want my kids to start having conversations about the civil war. Maybe if I show them this, they'll ask questions like, Hey, what was, you know, did that really happen at Shiloh or was it really like that at Appomattox? So I think it, it covers that pretty well too. I don't think it was too violent. You know, I, I think it's important to show violence and war stuff about war. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'd highly recommend it. I gave it, I gave it three to three and a half cigars because I think that's what it earned, but I would, that doesn't mean I wouldn't recommend it. I think everybody should watch it. You know, like it, it doesn't, you don't have to, I'm not, I'm not a snob with, with spending, you know, spend, spend six hours watching this. You really should. See the great thing about being kind of history nerds, it, when it's not perfect, it gives you more to talk about. Yeah. Right. No, Unless but... you're Mary and you gave it six out of five cigars. <laughs> well, <laughs> 4.5 cigars but out I've, of five. I've watched a lot of documentaries. You know, some of the documentaries that Nick's been involved in and, you know, documentaries where I'm just like, my mind is completely blown. I'm like, oh, my. Mm-hmm. And there's probably somebody who's in that world or in that field who's like, well, yeah, you know, I, you know, obviously they talked about this or obviously, mm-hmm. you know, they experienced that, like. How many times do we got to hear people talking about experiencing that? Whereas me, who maybe that's one of a handful of documentaries I've seen on the subject, I'm just like, I had no idea. Oh, my God. You know, that was so moving that this happened or I had no idea that that happened. So that may have happened. Um, I do think that I probably had a problem with having too high of expectations going in because the marketing for this whole thing was brilliant. Mm hmm. And they sold it as this, like, Grant is a story of contrast, which I think is a really good angle to take. Like, he's a butcher. He's a genius. You know, they'd go through, like, he's racist. He's an abolitionist. Like, they, they, they painted all these contrasts in the marketing. I'm like, oh, this is going to be fascinating. We're going to hear all these different perspectives. And they really didn't do that. They really, it was pretty much, very much pro-Grant, which I was fine with. Uh, but the way that they marketed it, I was going in thinking it was going to be this really deep dive into grants. And it, it just wasn't. And that's okay because it, it, it wasn't anything that it really pretended not to be. So It was a easy – like they went fast oh, outside, it the went, commer- outside the commercials. But. Unless you're like me and didn't have to watch the commercials. <laughs> they were brutal. It was too many commercials. I'm spoiled now. Netflix will- has ruined us. I must admit, I watched it live, like as it was airing. Yeah. And then the commercials did provide a great break to go on Twitter because mm-hmm. the Twitter historians yeah. were blowing it up on commercials. And it really made it a much more interactive. Like, I gave it a 3.5 out of 5 cigars, but like my viewing experience and being able to follow like the tweets along with it, but you know, it was like a, my experience of watching it was like a 5. Um, out of five cigars. I actually, one of the reasons I, I'm giving it four out of five cigars is because I did follow along with it as it was being aired, even though I couldn't see it because I had friends who were tweeting about it. And that 
I mean, I knew what I was getting going into it from that, but it was so fun to follow along on social media. I was interacting with people during that, and that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to have that presence on there while it was airing, even though I couldn't watch it. And it was really cool to see some of the things people were seeing. That's how I knew how Halleck was going into it. Um, But when I watched it, I guess it would have been the week after, I did live tweet what I was seeing as well. Um, even though it was like, I'm like, nobody's going to, like, nobody's watching it now. It's a it's the weekend after, whatever. Um, but, yeah, I think, like, I went into it knowing I didn't want to go into it as the person who had read Grant bios and, and all that. And I wanted to go into it thinking, like, who can get into this? from this series who can we spark to have that interest and i think if if somebody gets sparked by this and um then that series has done its job and it's just like i said it's nice to see it done without aliens in it um (laughs) it, it kind of harkens back to i think it was 2007 when they did a 90 minute um show about sherman's march to the sea and it was I was, when I found out about it, I'm like, oh, they're going to portray him as a complete monster. No, it was like Grant. It was completely balanced and well told. And I mean, it told like the bad things that happened during the march, but then it told, you know, it was, it was a balanced view of it, basically. Um, this Grant miniseries reminded me a lot of that. So it's nice to see History Channel getting back to that. And I hope they do more of that in the future. Yes. So I think that does that wrap up our discussion about Grant? Grant yeah. the miniseries, I think so. All right. So we are going to move on to our weekly features. So we are going to begin with our of the people, by the people. So Nick or Jeremy, who wants to go first tonight? Uh, I have one. Um, this just popped up today, um, which I just thought was kind of cool. Um, I, I, I don't listen to... Um, this particular band, although I, you know, I've heard some of their songs and they're decent, but um, Ken Burns actually retweeted it, which is what brought it to my attention. Um, but uh, the band that was known or they called themselves Lady Antebellum. Oh, I love uh, them. Re- okay, so they released a statement um, ten, t- today, uh, 10 hours ago, um, and today is Thursday the 11th, um, that they're changing their name. Uh, but they had a really, I felt, self-aware and thorough explanation for why they made that choice. Um, because they they were talking about the antebellum as a type of architecture, along with many other words. But they they the old antebellum homes that they met in. That's why they named their, themselves that. And after considering and hearing perspectives from black women and men about the term antebellum and its connection to enslavement and um, how that um, is, is not pleasant and, and something that they want to avoid. They, they thought long and hard and ended up changing their name. So they're now Lady A, um, which is, I thought it was just very cool Definitely. when you have, I mean, it's a pretty power, any band that is caught on in tours and has a following, your name is a very, very valuable trademark of your identity, right? I mean, so changing that is is a business risk. So I give them credit for that. Uh, but I really liked what they said um, that they um, 
you know, they, you know, their statement says, we feel like we've been awakened, but this is just one step. There are countless more that need to be taken. We, we want to do better, um, to grow to, into better humans, better neighbors. Um, and that they want to lead by example with humility, humility, love, empathy, and action. Um, I just thought it was a really, not just the choice that they did that, but that they had such a thought out rationale and explanation. So they said, uh, we understand many of you may ask, why have you not made this change until now? Uh, and their answer is that they said the answer to that is we can make no excuse for our lateness to this realization. What we can do is acknowledge it, turn from it and take action, which I think is just a really uh, powerful thing to say. You know, uh, when people call out maybe some previous mistakes that we've made to say that I can't make an excuse for that. But what I can do is is make the right steps moving forward. And I think that that's a good message. So the band now known as Lady A, um, I really really liked that perspective and your courage to make that choice all right i got one from steven west dealing with the confederate uh, or the military bases named after confederate generals he tweets note from a historian braxton bragg and john bell hood were not part of history of winning victory and freedom and then somebody asked uh like retweet or sent a comment uh asking him to share how bad bragg was which leads me to believe it's mind-boggling. Mind-boggling that we have a military base, first of all, named after a Confederate general. Yeah. Second of all, named after one of the worst Confederate generals, Braxton Bragg. Well, well technically, it is mind-boggling. Te- technically, he furthered the Union cause by his <laughs> ineptness as a general. It's. <laughs> I know, it's horrible. It's just mind-boggling to me, but... Um, Horrible. Yeah, and John Bell Hood, you know, once he actually started taking charge, he got his ass kicked by Sherman uh, repeatedly down there. Oh, yeah, Atlanta, and, and so. John Bell Hood also, like, thought because he had sacrificed his body on the altar yeah. of the Confederacy that his men should, too. So he just, like, here, go, die. Yeah, yeah once he, what did he lose, his arm, right? Arm, and he lost the use of his, or I think it yeah. was lost the use of his arm and lost his leg. Yeah. Anyway, he... <laughs> Shouldn't another base shouldn't be named after him, but no. we'll get into that. In, uh, I think next week, if not in one of our upcoming shows. But anyways, okay. So mine is a little bit more lighthearted. Um, not that there's anything wrong with what you two had at all, um, but the one that caught my eye on the Real Sweater Facebook page was from Eric, and he um, he said that he wrapped up reading. A chain of here. Th- he started reading a chain of thunder. He had wrapped up a blaze of glory by Jeff Shiraw. So he's working his way through Jeff Shiraw's Western theater quadrology quadrilogy. If I'm getting it right, um, made me really happy to see that. Um, that is one I would recommend for everybody. Um, the whole series comprises a book about Shiloh, a book about Vicksburg, a book about the battles for Chattanooga, and a book about the march to the sea. The best in the series is definitely The Smoke at Dawn, which is about the battle for Chattanooga. Um, But Eric said that um, A Blaze of Glory, which is about the battle of Shiloh, he really enjoyed it. So I thought that was really awesome. So if you're looking for anything to read right now in this time where, I mean, more of us are able to leave our homes now, but um, definitely check check out Jeff Shiraz's series on the Western Theater of the Civil War. Yeah, I like that. It's good. Yeah. And uh, our next feature is This Week in Lincoln. 
So um, this was sent to me by a fellow teacher, Jen Stark, who uh, Jeremy knows very well. She's the matriarch of the social studies department in a 100% positive way. I hope that doesn't sound shitty. Yeah. I didn't mean, you know, whatever. And we know how there's a, the slogan, maybe it's Maybelline. There is a t-shirt, maybe it's Abilene. <laughs> uh, and then, can you guys see this? Yeah. Wow, that's oh, wow. Whoa. So it is a nice shirt there of Lincoln. Um, you know, wearing yeah, some nice, nice rouge. Oh, yeah, some rouge lipstick on there. Funny story. So. That's an actual thing. I found a, I think it was it a mug or a plate at an antique shop in Michigan. I didn't buy it because it was, I was like, it's hideous. It was that exact same thing. It was like, wow, somebody tried to make Abraham Lincoln into a drag queen and failed miserably at it. I'll send this to the group chat. Yeah, so we need to post that. Since you guys are probably more reliable to post it than me. Because remember, when I got asked to join the show, all I had to do was be there and drink beers. <laughs> and I and I continue, well, I guess I don't drink the beers anymore. But um, just to be here and do very little else, I've stuck to that. It's really uh, Jeremy and Mary that run the show, if you haven't figured that out yet. And, and, by, and by Jeremy and Mary, too. you mean Mary and Mary. <laughs> <laughs> and Mary. Mary and Chair A. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, Our editor. Yeah, I, yeah I, I just thought you were talking about me. I guess, yeah, obviously you weren't. Actually, I was, but I forgot about Jerry, so I apologize. Yeah, because so. I sure as shit can't edit this show. <laughs> that would be a disaster if I did that. Anyway. I did, and it was a disaster. <laughs> It's not as much as a disaster if I did it. Um, anyway, so that is our episode for this week. Any parting thoughts, Nick or Jeremy? Nope. Hopefully people are uh, taking time to, you know. You know, I, we started the show talking about the importance of history. I, I think that's important here in America to think about why are the protests happening, to ask yourself why, um, to go back, look at the stuff that's been put in place, um, take a look at, you know, the evidence that's out there, then search your heart um, to find out, you know, what that means. And I think you'll you'll start to understand a little bit more what the protests are about if you haven't already. Yeah, I, uh, I agree, Nick, and go to one of them, whether or not you're participating. But um, it's just something to see, um, to understand and to listen Um so yeah, uh, I'm excited for future conversations that we're going to have and to keep that energy going and doing whatever we can in whatever ways that we can to talk about history and make sure that it doesn't get lost. Yeah, so I enjoy it and I'm happy to, to, that we're able to keep doing this. Yep, and um, everybody stay safe and keep walking the world with malice toward none, charity for all. And we will see you all again next week.